Well, I'm going to go ahead and bring up our guest speaker this morning. So this is John Carmichael, and some of you are going to go, no, it's not. Yes, this is John Carmichael, I promise. Come on up. So John Carmichael, I will let his father tell you the rest of the story, but he had a little mishap in a car yesterday, and he and Callie are okay. And praise God, they're okay. I did joke with him on the phone yesterday, and I told him, well, maybe we need to give you some driver's lessons as part of your new here. And he laughed and winced and said, yeah, that's funny. (laughs) I appreciate it. So we are honored to have his father to speak with us today. Um, He is the pastor at Evangel North. He and his wife, Erin, have been in ministry for over 20 years plus. And we're just excited for what just God is going to have him do today. I was listening to you worshiping over there this morning, and... He's got some good things for us today. It is just going to be exciting to hear what God, I could just feel God's presence on him this morning. I'm going to pray for him as he gets ready to speak, and then we'll get going. God, I just pray for John today, that you will just impart your word to him, that you will use him. God, you ordained this, not for John to be in a wreck, but for the protection that you gave him and Callie. That was your your divine intervention. And Lord, we just know that John preaching and speaking today, God, that is your plan. Use every word he speaks, everything that it's heart, his heart to come out. Use him today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a round of applause as he speaks for us today. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I will tell you there's a, a slight bit of irony here in that about uh, seven weeks ago, six or seven weeks ago, I was in an accident and on a Saturday. And I had broken my hand, three breaks in my hand. And so fighting, kicking, and screaming, I wanted to preach that next day. I mean, it was every, my family was threatening me. You are not going. You are resting. The doctor's telling me that. And so John had to pinch hit for me. He had to come in and preach for me. And, and, and you know, threaten me. He said, Dad, no, you're not preaching. Someone, else, I'll go and I'll do it. So I'm like, okay, great. So then yesterday... I, I did some prison ministry yesterday. When I, as soon as I got out of the jail uh, after ministering, we had 40 uh, inmates, 17 gave their heart to the Lord. Can we give God a hand of praise for that? So I get out, and I call my wife. She doesn't say hello. She doesn't say, how did it go? She said, John was in a wreck. I was like, oh, no. She went, he's okay. Both of them are okay. And so now the tables got turned. He is like, I'm going to be there, Dad. I'm, I'm supposed to preach and whatever. And the doctor's like, no. And Callie's like, no. And I'm having to say no. And then he said, or one of us, I don't remember who went, you know, thought about me being here. And so whatever. So here I am. So John Carmichael's preaching today. Let's give God a hand of praise for that. Uh, I'll tell you just a, a little bit about myself. Uh, I got saved at 14 years old at Evangel. Uh, World Prayer Center, and a doc- or actually under Wayman Rogers, uh, D- uh, Dr. Bob's father. And uh, he was my pastor, and then, uh, 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 then when he passed away, uh, Pastor Bob became my pastor. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 15 years old, and uh, then uh, married my wife in 1995, and Pastor Aaron and I, we are happily married, and uh, we have five children. And, of course, you know Pastor John. He's our oldest. I have two daughters, Hannah and Rebecca. They both graduated from Oral Roberts University. 
Hannah is pregnant, and I'm going to be a grandpa in November. Come on, somebody. And uh, happy about that. Uh, they live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She works for a mission organization called One Challenge uh, there. And then Rebecca uh, is going back to ORU for MBA. I have a son, Samuel, uh, who has the designation of being the biggest Carmichael because he's a lot taller than all of us, bigger than all of us. He is a student at ORU. And uh, I served in Richmond, Kentucky for a while, uh, years ago as a, a pastor there. I uh, got my undergrad degree from uh, Eastern Kentucky University in accounting. And then Dr. Bob hired me, actually he hired me before that when I was 19. Then he hired me again after I got out of school to be his accountant. And I was the accountant over the church and, and all the different ministries. And then uh, Aaron and I and the family went and pastored in Clinton, Kentucky, First Assembly of God there. And, uh, and then Dr. Bob hired me a third time. So I don't know what that says, except that he might be a glutton for punishment. I'm not really sure. But he's hired me three times. Uh, I have a Master of Divinity degree from ORU, and I'm a doctoral candidate. Uh, at ORU, which means I've done all the classes and we're in the dissertation phase of that. So enough about me. How many are ready for the word of God today? Amen. I like to do something. You can be seated. I normally have our congregation stand, but you can be seated. But I do like to do something a little bit. This is not my Joel Osteen impersonation. This is just something I like to do. If you can hold your Bibles up and I want you to say it, say this out loud with me. Say, this is my Bible. I believe it's true. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. I receive the word of God with faith. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You sound amazing. This morning, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 23. And I will let you know for full disclosure, this is part of a series that I had started in May, and I've been preaching for many, many years, either as a youth pastor starting when I was 19, to being a full-time senior pastor when I was 33, and I've never done anything of what the Lord has told me to do this year. And He spoke to me to do a sermon series for the book of Acts. Now, in some of my preaching classes, we were told that you don't really do a series for longer than about four weeks because today's culture, people can't really stay engaged with that. And for the most part, I've kind of stayed with that. The Lord asked me to do something this year. And He said, I want you to focus on the book of Acts. You see, the book of Acts has a very interesting distinction in that it's both a history book of the church. We commonly referred to it as the early church, but there's really no difference between what they are and who we are. They're just, this is the beginning. It's a, it's a book of history. But more than it is just a history book, it's also a book of theology. Meaning that I believe that it doesn't just show us what happened in the church, but rather it also shows us some things about how church should be. What the design of it was. You see, we're really good in today's culture about changing things, modifying things. We have genetically mo- uh, modified food now, GMOs, you know, corn, for instance. Corn actually used to have some nutritional value. It doesn't anymore. It's just pretty much sugar water now because of what they've done to, to it. We change things. But the book of Acts shows us 
what the original church should look like and can look like. And one of the problems that we have with church is when we think about what, it, what should our methodologies be, how do we adapt, and we certainly have to adapt to our culture. You've you got to understand that. We don't change our message, but we do need to change our methods sometimes. Did you catch the difference there? But what we've done is we keep looking at changing what we did 10 years ago, what we did 20 years ago, what we did 50 years ago, instead of going back to the original. So how many here have ever worked in some type of carpentry work? You've cut some wood before. Anybody here ever done anything like that, right? So let me give you an example of what I'm trying to say. If I have a ruler, it's got 12 inches on it, and I want to cut, you know, a two by four, and I want foot-long two-by-fours. I'm going to take that ruler, I'm going to measure 12 inches, I'm going to cut it, and that first piece is going to be really close to one foot. But what if I want a bunch of these, and I take that first piece, and I use it to measure the second piece, and now I mark it, and I cut it. And then I take that second piece and I use it and I mark my third and so on and so forth. By the time I get to my tenth piece, that's not a foot long anymore. It's way different. Because with every cut, using a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, it gets a little bit further from the original. And so the only way I can have any uh, a chance of that tenth piece being afoot is to constantly refer to the original 12 inches. When we look at the book of Acts, that's what we're doing. We're looking at the original and saying, how can we apply that, that, the principles and the theology of the book of Acts to today? Can I hear an Amen. And so today, that's what we're doing. But I want us to look at one particular message. As soon as it was told to me that I would be here, I knew exactly which one of these we would be doing, we would be talking about today. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that God would do something in our lives. Can I hear an amen? So, Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Before you, we read this, I want to set some context of Acts 23, 11. Apostle Paul is in the midst of doing what God had called him to do. You see, when he got signed up to serve Jesus, Jesus appeared to him on the road of Damascus. And, you know, he, you know, Jesus knocked him off his donkey so hard that the S fell off of his name. And we had to put a P there. He went from Saul to Paul. Anyway, uh, he, he gets told... You're going to serve me. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to suffer for me. And everywhere you go and everything you do, you're going to suffer. How many would sign up for that? that how's he like that for a sales technique? You're going to serve me, but you're going to suffer. Paul accepted that invitation. And Jesus, I mean, what Jesus said to him was true. Everywhere he went, 
he would go and he would walk in obedience to God and he would do what God called him to do. But yet time and time again, yes, there would be people who received him some. But there would also be many who would reject him. And so now Paul in in chapter 23 he is in a point now that he is in this, like, from chapters 22 and 23 and 24 and 25. He, th- those chapters all cover one trial. I'm going to say this again. One trial after another. He goes from this trial to that trial, the scene before this person and this other person. And so he's going from trial to trial to trial trial does that sound familiar does that sound familiar to you and I sometimes one trial to the next trial to the next and Paul in chapter 23 verse 11 he's kind of in the middle of all this but there is a there's something that happened theologians who study don't know exactly Exactly what's going on, we're not given much information about it, but it appears in this chapter that the people whom he had sowed into had left him. And he's kind of by himself right now. And, and in other trials, there would be Timothy and Silas and others. This one, it's just Paul. There's nobody else around. And so here he is in the midst of these trying times, so to speak, going from trial to trial to trial. In the midst of his trying times, we hear these words. Acts 23, 11. In fact, I'm really just going to stay on this verse so much because this is one of those few times in the book of Acts you see some red letters. Jesus is going to speak to him in the midst of his trying times. And Here's what he says. It says, but on the night immediately following, Acts 23, 11, The Lord stood by or stood at his side. Now, I, I love that because no way for us to know exactly what's going on here, except it just appears that Jesus is, appeared to him right there in the midst of this lonely night. It says, at night, Luke is a very uh, detailed uh, writer uh, as he writes here in the, in the inspirational spirit. It's in the middle of the night. Nobody's around. That's usually about the time we start questioning things. God, where are you? Is this what it looks like to obey God? Is this what happens when I obey God? I get thrown in here, I get accused, bad things happen and everybody leaves me. But in the middle of the night, someone does show up. And his name is Jesus. And listen to Jesus' words to a man who has walked in obedience, but yet seems to be getting some pretty negative results here. He says says this to him, take courage. Powerful words. For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem. Now, a little history. That didn't go so well. But as you did that there, so you must 
witness at Rome also. Now let me help you. In this moment, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to tell us. There's no road to Rome from here because of where he's at right now. He's not on the path to Rome yet. In fact, from his perspective and moment in time, Rome is not really in his future. But see, what you got to know about Rome is God had already told him, you're going to Rome. But yet now he's in a place you're like, oh, I know what you said, I'm going to Rome, but look at where I'm at now. I, I don't know how. Rome is not in my future. But Jesus said something and was saying something else to him. He was saying, it doesn't matter where you are right now. I can still get you to where I promised you. Amen. That did the cell, the jail cell, and the 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 bars and and, and all of the trials. They, if you hold on, Paul, what Jesus was telling him, if you hold on, Paul, I can still get you to the place I promised you. Can I hear an amen, church? And so today I want us to bow for a word of prayer and just for just a few minutes. Don't get nervous. I know I've gone long in my introduction. I've got 23 minutes and 47 seconds left. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So I'll worry about the time. You just relax. But I want to share with you today four things. If you've got a pencil and piece of paper, you might write these down. And at, Normally I have a handout I give to people, but, but I want you to write these down. Four things about, about what we can learn from Paul here that can help us to be comforted and even carry us on through to the plan of God for our lives. But let's pray. Holy Ghost, we thank you that you're here today. I pray, God, as we continue to dig into your word and unpack some of these truths, God, that are found within Acts 23, that, God, I know, although these are truths of what happened then, I believe there are some truths of what you want to do now. So I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray for all of us today to have eyes that see, ears that hear, and God, for that, we are completely dependent upon you. God, I ask you, Lord, to release your word to your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, the first thing I want you to write down and this one, this one's kind of implied in verse 11. This one, I'm not able to take this one directly out. But I want you to write this down. God is the reason for the trials. Why was he in trial in the first place? Why is he in this situation in the first place? Because of what? His obedience to God. Because he was doing something right, not because he was doing something wrong. And boy, don't we struggle with that sometimes, don't we? Man, we go into trouble and, and, and something bad happens and we think, well, what did I do wrong? Can I tell you something? That many times the reason you're walking through, now not all the time. I got to be honest with y'all. There have been a lot of trials that were caused by John Carmichael. Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. There are, t there are times I wish I could have blamed the devil or somebody else, 
But the person that I really had trouble with sometimes is the person I see in the mirror. Anybody but me, y'all know what I'm talking about? But, but many times our trials are not because we did something wrong, but because of our obedience and our faith and trust in God. Can I hear an amen? I love this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I don't know that I'll read all of them, but 1 Peter 1, verses 6 through 9, it says, uh, In this you greatly rejoice, for even though now, for a little while, notice the perspective of the New Testament writers. They had a mindset that was completely different than ours. He said, you are distressed by various trials. Now, Peter is writing at a time to which if you were a Christian, it was legal to kill you for no other reason than you were a Christian. And he called them for a little while, if necessary, distressed. Rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. So that. The proof of your faith. Now, on this one, I do like the, the uh, I think King James says it like this, the testing of your faith. The proof of your faith. The trial proves or tests our faith. I, I make this point. Let me say it to you this way. God is not on trial. His faithfulness is not on trial. Well, I thought if I obey God, God would... No, no, no. The trial is not God. The trial is us. Our faith, our confidence, our belief is the reason for the trials of our life. I mean, even when it comes to spiritual warfare, friend, let me say this to you. The reason the devil hates you is because you look like God. And he hates God. I don't want to burst your bubble today, but it really isn't about you. But it is about your faith in God. Now, Peter's going to tell us that that these trials, they, 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 they prove to be more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, that may be found in a result of the praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus. Verse 8, he said, though you've not seen him, you love him. That's what they were on trial for, P- uh, Peter's talking about, because they love him. And though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And greatly rejoice in joy inexpressible and full of glory. Peter was saying it was because of your love, your trust in God that this trial has come upon you. And this trial, God allows it not to destroy you, but to strengthen you. Can I hear an amen? But we have to understand, we have to get a hold of it. The reason for the trial, the thing that's coming on us, is because of what God has said to us. This word, this belief, this trust. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 105 for a minute. Psalm 105, verse 17. man by the name of Joseph, y'all familiar with Joseph? And uh, he was one of the sons of Jacob. And 
Uh, he, you know, he wasn't, you know, he ended up being wise, but I have to imagine he, in younger days, he wasn't very wise. How many understand that sometimes when we were younger, we're not as wise as we are when we're older, right? Uh, Joseph has a dream. God puts a word in him. God shows him something. Now, in this dream, the first one, his brothers bow down to him. So now Joseph, this is not wise, walks up to his brother and says, Hey, guys, I had a dream last night. Oh, what would you dream? Oh, y'all going to love it. Y'all all bowed down to me. Brothers don't like that. So, you know, whatever, they blow him off, whatever. So the next night he dreams again. And in this dream, not only his brothers bow down, but daddy bows down. He goes up the next day to his brothers. Hey, guys, I had another dream. This time, I have to imagine they rolled their eyes at him. Whatever, Joseph. Oh, except this time, not only did all y'all bow down to me, but daddy bowed down to me too. Well, let me just tell you this. That's not how to win friends or influence people. Let me just tell you right now. But this dream really was from God. And as a result of the dream and the telling of the dream, what do his brothers do? They throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery. When he gets into slavery, into Potiphar's house, uh, Potiphar's wife, you know, tries to come on to him. And he, you know, operating in integrity, runs away, but then she lies. So he, here he is. All he's doing is obeying God. And now she lies about him, gets him thrown into jail. All he's doing is obeying God. And, and he goes obeying God. He goes into a pit obeying God. Now he's in jail. While he's in jail, there's some folks that are there. They have some dreams. He helps them with their dreams and gets used of God. And now gets forgotten in jail. Now eventually the plan of God's going to come to pass in his life. But Psalm 105 tells us something very important. It says, he sent before them, verse 17, Psalm 105, 17. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, and they afflicted his feet with fetters, and he himself was laid in iron. Look at verse 19, though. Until the time that his word, what word? The word that God had put to him. Till that came to pass... Now look at what it says here. The word of the Lord tested him. He had a word from God on the inside of him. And this word that was on the inside of him, all it did was kept getting him sold into slavery, lied about, thrown in jail, forgotten about in jail. And the whole time... He's still hanging on to the word. He didn't let go. I want to say this to you. When you stand on the word of God, you can expect a fight. When you stand on what God's called you to do, when you're walking in what God's called you to do, you may, now it may not always look like what Paul went through, 
I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't look like what Joseph's gone through. But I can tell you this. Every time I've ever stood on a promise from God, there was opposition. And the problem is this, is that in many cases, we interpret the opposition as, well, God's against me. God's not for me. God didn't do what he said. So, and we quit and give up. And I just want to say this to you right now. If you will hang on, God will bring to pass that word that he has put in your life today. Do you believe that? Can you give the Lord a great big hand of praise today, church? Come on. Number two, number two, number two. The Lord stood with Paul in the darkest of night. This we get directly from verse 11. We see that Paul, in the darkest hour of his day, when he's in the midst of these trials, he's in the midst of, uh, uh, of this time in which it appears... Everybody's left him. No one's there with him. We all know what that's like, don't we? I know what it was like when our youngest son, Joel, when he was born, he was born at, at uh, uh, 16 weeks pregnant. He weighed 16.5 ounces. He had six Things against him. His the placenta had he had been dry for over a month. The he uh, uh, the I won't get into all of it, but everything about was going on. It wasn't just that he was small and born early. The doctors at at, at that time, Colsair Children's Hospital, the head of the NICU, said we are not expecting a good outcome here. They said he had less at that time. He's he's sick. He's getting ready. To celebrate his 16th birthday. Can we give Jesus a mighty hand of praise for that? But at that time. At that time. None of the nurses on the floor had ever seen a baby that small. Actually seen them and live. He had a less than 10% chance of survival. And a 100% chance of severe disability. And I can tell you that in his four plus months of staying in the hospital, where many, or not many, but there were a couple of times the doctors called us, said, you got to come to the hospital. We've done all that we can do. He's not going to make it the night. And I can tell you that in those dark hours with those horrible phone calls, you can feel awful alone, can't you? But I want to testify to Jesus today. Because it would be in those darkest times that I would call out to God and I could sense His presence with us. Can I hear an amen? Paul, in these times in which nothing was going right and nobody was supporting him and and, and helping him, I love it. It said, but Jesus stood with him. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses, verse 5. If you've got it, turn to it, please. I want to give you this promise today. While you're on your way to doing what God's called you to do, how can you be comforted and how, what can carry you? And I just want to say this to you today, that God's not going to leave you. Hebrews 13, 5 says this. It says, make sure your character is free of the love of money and be content with what you have. Now notice the context is even talking about material needs of the believers. But in the midst of even that, he says, 
For he himself has said, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. In the English language, there there really isn't a, a more stronger assertion that you can make than that. I will. He said, I will never leave you. He could have said, well, maybe sometimes I'm there, maybe I'm not. And, you know, if I get around to it or you're... No, no, no. God has committed himself to you. And whether you feel him or not, or see him or not, I want you to know this today, that God is with you. I want you to lay your hand on your chest today and say, God is with me. Come on. In the book of Daniel chapter 3, verses 24 through 27, we're not going to go through all of it. I just want to reference it today for sake of time. Uh, we have the, the story of the, the three Hebrew children. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you've had children, Rakshak and Benny. Vegetales. So Rakshak and Benny are there and they've honored the Lord. They've stood when no one, everybody else was bowing. They're standing in faith. But Nebi, King Nebi, Nebuchadnezzar for you Bible nerds out there. But uh, King Nebi brings them in for a private audience. Gives them an opportunity to compromise in secret. Gave them a second chance. Nobody else was around. Rakshak and Benny could have saved their skin. And nobody would have known the compromise except them and God. But they stood up. And they continued to believe. And there's some debate exactly as to what they meant when they said... You know, some translations add certain words to if God does deliver us or not, we're still not going to bow, but God wasn't actually mentioned there. So exactly what they were referring to, we don't fully know, but what we do know is this. They said, we're not going to bow. And our trust is in God, for He is able. Somebody say, He is able. So they tied them up. You know the story. You don't need me to tell all of it. They tied them up and they throw them in. I don't know if they threw them down into a cauldron or in through the side. But somehow they got thrown in bound. And I want you to stop for just a moment. And think about what was going on in their mind. When they were actually being thrown into the fire and the first flame touched them. I can tell you what many Christians do. I thought if I served you, this wouldn't happen to me. I thought if I did the right thing, the flame wouldn't be in my life. And I wish I could tell you that that's the case. But that's not the case. They got thrown into the fire, but then something dramatic happens. King Nebi looks into the fire and flabbergasted, he said, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. Didn't we throw three in there? And they said, yes, king, we said three. And the king said, I don't see three, I see four. And the fourth one looks like the son of the almighty God. And when he came out, he called them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out. And the Bible said when they came out, 
their clothes wasn't burned, their hair wasn't singed, there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them, but the only thing that got burned off was the ropes that bound them. They went in bound, but they came out of the fire free. And I want to tell you today that when Jesus shows up in the midst of your fire, you can come out freer than you've ever been in your life. I have to believe there's a connection between what Peter said about your faith and the fire and what went on here. These boys experienced freedom because Jesus was in the midst of their fire. Amen? Point number three. Well, let me say it. Let me say this. This is important about God's presence with you. The most often repeated promise in the Bible, have you ever considered that? They say there's 366 times, 366 times, the Bible promises, God makes this promise to somebody, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I've never counted it myself. I'm just going off what I heard. That may or may not be true. But if it is true, 366 times, that's an interesting number, isn't it? That's one for every day of the year, including leap year. Every day, God promises to you and I, I am with you. Number three, God expects and calls you to take courage during your trials. He says to Paul, I mean, what do you think you would say to somebody that's going through trial? You're going through trial, you know, we got all kinds of things we're going to say. Sometimes I don't know what to say. About a week ago or so, I had to sit down with a mom in our church whose two-year-old baby died. Was eating an animal cracker in a room by himself. By the time they realized there was anything happening, he was already unconscious, his lips were blue. He'd gotten lodged there, wasn't able, they, it didn't take long. And I'm sitting with mom and dad. Tears streaming down their face. What do you say? What do you say? What's amazing to me of what Jesus said, his perspective was take courage. See, I'm sure there had to be things that Paul didn't understand. Do you know there are times that Paul wrote, you can look this up, Google it later. There was one time Paul wrote that things were so bad, he said these words, we despaired of life itself. Even Paul, who had the revelation of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, powerful in faith and mighty in deeds, there were times it got so strong that he, I don't know, I just, I'd rather not be here. But Jesus looks at him, and I think he's saying to him the same words he's saying to us today. Take courage. Be strong. Amen? It is within these words that that. That, that do something to our psyche. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, and I'll, I'll have to admit something to you. I really like Joel Osteen. I really do. I love that positive message. I go to him when I need an encouragement fix. I'm, I'm throwing on my podcast. Where Joel Osteen's going to help me. Can I hear an amen? I believe in it. I'm a positive preacher. But let me say this to you today. 
as I see the book of Revelation and other eschatological books in the Bible, I see a picture of the end times that's going to make even this little COVID thing, and I say that with all humility, I had to bury several people through COVID, so I don't, it's not light to me. I know some people, it's not a big deal to them. I did way too many COVID funerals. I say this to you today. Whatever that was, what we're getting ready to go to is worse. And it's going to be a time that we're going to have to stand up and say, I am not going to be afraid. I am going to trust God. Can I hear an amen? It's going to be a time in which this weak, easily offended Christian, those days are over. The days that we're walking through is going to require the days in which we will stand up to our tests and our trials with a faith and a confidence to know that God can get us through today in Jesus' name and we know He also has our tomorrow in the name of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? It's going to be a time in which we are going to have to rise up and say, yes, God, I trust you. I believe in you. Jesus said it in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, these things I have spoken to you. John 16, 33. The things were the description of what I'm talking about of the end times. And they were not happy. They were not encouraging. He said, but these things I have spoken to you so that in me you have peace. Where's our peace? In who? In Jesus. Not in our situation. Not in our circumstance. He said, because in the world, you will, not might, not sometimes, Jesus' words, you will have tribulation. And then what is his answer to that? The same thing he said to Paul. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Can I hear an amen? There comes a point in our life where we have to take courage. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, that says this. It says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. And I just want to stop right there. Do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away your trust. And I know this can be a struggle. I know what it is to just be looking at life and you feel like you're looking life like you're looking at a barrel of a shotgun and you're just staring down the barrel. But I'm here to tell you today that there must come something inside the church where we have got to learn to rise up with confidence in the name of the Lord. A trust in God. Where we get our, our, our confidence in God anchored like steel anchored in concrete. Where we've drawn a line in the sand. Where we've set our face like a flint, and said, we're going to trust God no matter what comes through that door. Can I hear an amen? Our fourth and final point is this. God will get you where you need to be despite your trials. Jesus told Paul, you completed one part, but you're going to another. You're going to another. You're going to another place that I promised you. But as best we can tell from looking at this story, if you didn't know the end of it, and you didn't know how it was going to turn out, Rome was not really going to happen to him. And there may be some people here today 
And if you don't mind, if I could ask you to do something, to go ahead and stand to your feet today all over the house. I know there's going to be a a time of prayer at the end of service for your prayer team to pray for you, but I want to pray for you. But I just want to leave this last point, and I want to make it very clear to you. Where you are today does not have to determine where you're going to end up. Let me say it another way. Some of you have got dreams and visions and promises and things that are in your heart from God. And if we're not careful, we start looking at where we are right now. I'm like, God, how am I going to go from here to there? And it doesn't make any sense. There's no path that we can come up with. But how many of you realize we serve a God, oh, you like this phrase, don't you, who makes a way where there seems to be no way? Come on now. We serve the way maker. Can I hear an amen? I'll tell you this story. I didn't have it planned for the scriptures and all that, but in Jonah, you all familiar with Jonah, right? Jonah, great book. God gives him a word. He doesn't like the word because he doesn't like the people. So he runs away from God. And the Bible said he went down to Joppa, got in a boat, went down at the bottom of the boat, and ends up in the bottom of the sea, which shows us something. When you disobey God, the path is always down. Down, down, down. But as he's in the belly of the well, God, you know, does something, deals with his heart, and he, he repents before the Lord. I, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And it was the same word as the first. Not a different word. God said, I still got a plan for you. But now Jonah is in, not only is he not in Nineveh, he's in the belly of a whale. Let me just say this to you. There is no path forward. You're in the belly of a whale. And he's supposed to be in Nineveh, and he repents before God. And God accepts his repentance and said, I'm not going to change my mind about you. But Jonah still has a problem. How can I get to Nineveh? I'm in the belly of a well. And then you top this off. When they look at the swimming patterns of, of whatever creature it was that actually had him there, they don't swim to Nineveh. So even in the natural working of things, he's still not, even if the the, the thing spit him up right there, it wouldn't make sense for him to have been in Nineveh. But what does God do? God not only gets him out of the well, thank God for that, right? But he puts him right near Nineveh. Which meant that fish had to swim outside of normal circumstances. Things that didn't make any sense. There's no pattern for it. And now he's where he needs to be. I'm going to say this to you. Regardless of who you are, how old you are, what's going on in your life today. I don't know what, the, I don't know what it is. But I don't really have to. Because I know that God can make a way regardless. And even if you're right here and maybe God's put a promise in your heart for something in your life or this church... I want to say this to you today. God is your path forward. And he can get you where he's called you. Amen.
Would you do me a favor and just lift your hands up to heaven today? Just as a sign of surrender. God, today, Lord, we just surrender to your will, your plan, your purpose for our life. And God, today, we just thank you, Lord, that you are here. And Lord, I, I, I know I've gone a little bit long today, but Father, I pray right now that this word would get a hold of us today. That we would not be shocked, surprised, upset, flabbergasted, or exhausted about the trial. But God, that we would know that you are with us. And I pray for that person today that feels like they're all alone and they're trying to even ask questions. God, where are you? Where are you? And I want to say this answer to you. Presumptuously, I say this to you today. God is with you. That's where he is. He has never left you. He has never forsaken you today. And I pray for that person that feels like losing courage and they're afraid and they're scared. And Father, today, I just pray strength over them right now. God, I pray the confidence of the Lord over them today. In the mighty name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost today. Lord, I thank you for that person, Lord, that's looking at their life. It's like, God, I've made some mistakes or I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But God, how can I get there? And I just want to tell you right now, God is big enough to get you where you need to be when you need to be there. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Can you give the Lord a great big handed praise? God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Carmichael if he would just stay down here near the front and just he'll be able to pray with people. Um, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come on down as well. Um, wasn't that just a great word from God today? See, God just had that plan to put him here today for a word we needed to hear. I needed that. I needed that in my heart today. I pray that that just touches you this week. Encourage someone this week to watch this message online. Someone that you meet that needs that encouragement, that needs to be reminded what he, what God had him speak about today. That's just a great opportunity to do that. Thank you very much today for that. We're going to let the praise team play up here for a few minutes, and we're going to have prayer available for you. If you're online with us, we have prayer available for the next half hour through our line that's uh, posted up there Um, and we just want to be a house of prayer for you if there's something that you need prayer for if you need some encouragement if there's something you want to talk to uh, to pastor john carmichael about feel free to come up and do that today i'll make himself available our prayer team Um, we just thank you for being here with us today we thank you that god is going to use you this week to be compassionate towards people and he is going to use you to share with people about how God is with them through everything they're going through remind people this week I'm going to pray and give us a blessing and then then we'll let them them uh, play for a few minutes here and then uh, you can feel free to do that God we just thank you and praise you today for being the God that was here for a God that cares about us a God that loves us God we just thank you for each and every person and family that's represented here and online today. God, I pray a blessing on each and every one that's here today. I pray a blessing on their family. I pray blessings on their heart. I pray that the love of God will permeate through them throughout this week and that, God, it will just overflow, that it will overflow into other people, that they can just share that encouragement, that they can share that how much God loves them, that how much no matter what is going on in their lives, that God can encourage them. And then that God can use that to encourage someone else. 
God, make us a people. Make us a church. Make us a nation that puts others above ourselves and stop getting focused on everything about me, myself, and I. Let us focus on loving people into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I just pray these blessings over you and just pray for you to have a great week. Have a great week. You are blessed. Sing through every battle. Through every battle. Through every heartbreak. Through every circumstance. And I believe you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. Because I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. Cause I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe through every blessing, through every promise. And every breath I take, I believe you are provider, you are protector, you are the one I love. Yes, I believe you are. that are new all my fears and doubts they can all come to no they can't stay long when I'm here with you it's a new horizon I'm set on you you meet me today with mercies that are new oh, all my fears and doubts they can all come to you, oh, they can't stay long, but I believe you are the way, the truth, the life, Lord, so I believe. I believe you.